As, we, uh, as we're gathered together this Friday as uh, brothers and sisters, uh, we're going to be having an early Thanksgiving celebration, this, this Friendsgiving celebration. Um, I wanted to take a look at a story uh, that will remind us of what we all ought to be thankful for, uh, regardless of the circumstances that we may find ourselves in. Um, so we're just going to get right into it. We're going to get right into it. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us all here tonight, Lord. And I just pray that this time in the word would be of great benefit, Lord, that we would see you and we would be thankful uh, for who you are and what you've done for us. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Mark chapter 10, if you guys heard me, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Uh, so we're going to begin reading verses uh, 46 through 48. So Mark chapter 10, verse 46 and f- through 48, and it says this, Then they came to Jericho, and later, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a beggar who was blind, named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And we'll pause there. So we have this blind man who is also a beggar. Uh, The account in Matthew, it tells us that there were actually two blind beggars who were there that day. But in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Luke, we only uh, are told about this one, and and his name is used. It's Bartimaeus. And uh, we need to understand some things about the blind in this day, in Jesus' day. Um, First, blindness was not uncommon. It, It was a common thing. Many people were blind either by birth defect or injury or disease. There were many people in this day who were blind, and blind people were not highly regarded. Uh, Because of this uh, malady, they were reduced to begging a lot of the time. And according to Jewish culture, blind people were considered to be under the judgment of God. They were accursed. Uh, They they must have done something wrong for God to have placed this curse on them. They must have done something wrong. If you remember, if you've read John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples, they come up on on a blind man who was blind from birth. And the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he should be born blind. They saw it as judgment from God. So this is who this man was, and this is how the people in general regarded him. And he's begging for food, or he's begging for money, on this route that was heavily traveled. This road that Jesus is taking to get to Jerusalem, it was the road. It was the road. So many, many people and many merchants, they took this road, And Jesus had most certainly taken this road many times in the years past to get from Galilee to Jerusalem for feasts and and stuff like that. And this is where Bartimaeus planted himself to beg for charity. So as Jesus was traveling down the road with a large crowd surrounding him, Bartimaeus, he hears the commotion. He can't see anything, but he hears He hears the large crowds, and he begins to ask out loud into the air to whoever will listen and to whoever was willing to answer. He's asking, what's going on? What's happening? And someone responds and tells him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And upon hearing this, 
Bartimaeus, he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then the crowd tries to get him to be quiet. The crowd tries to get Bartimaeus to be quiet. And this just shows you how people regarded the blind in this day. This guy is blind and he's begging for charity. He's begging while the rest of the crowd that's surrounding Jesus, presumably they're able-bodied and they're watching everything that's going on. They're They're able to see everything that Jesus is doing. They're following Jesus. If anyone needs to have a visit from Jesus, if anybody needs a face-to-face with Jesus, it was this blind Bartimaeus. But they try to get him to shut up. But he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He starts to shout even more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And included in his shouts and cries is the confession that he knew who Jesus was. The crowd, they said that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. They said Jesus the Nazarene is passing by. The crowd, they, they saw a mere man. All they saw was a, a man. But Bartimaeus, he knew that this was not a mere man. He shouted out, Jesus, son of David, which was a messianic title. The holy and anointed one that was sent to save the lost sheep of Israel. No doubt Bartimaeus had heard many things about this Jesus. And he came to the realization and the understanding that this was indeed the Messiah sent from God. And there was a desperation in Bartimaeus' voice. The word that is used for cry out is a Greek word that means to shout with a loud voice or to scream, to scream for help. I've heard it said that this is a word that was used to describe the cries of a woman going through labor. Such pain and agony associated with these fierce cries and shouts from Bartimaeus. Just picture the scene in your mind. Bartimaeus is laying there, he's hearing the commotion, and he's asking, what's going on? You know, he's blind, he's like, what's going on? I hear the commotion, what's going on? Somebody please tell me what's happening right now. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus? Jesus? The the, the one who's been healing lepers? The one who's been raising people from the dead? The one who's been feeding thousands with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish? The one who has made paralyzed people to walk? The one who has healed other blind people just like me? Jesus, the Messiah? Now, how would you respond in this situation if this was you? You know, there's a song that we shared on our Instagram stories this week. It's called Son of David that's based on this scripture. And it opens with the line... The blind won't gain their sight by opening their eyes. The blind won't gain their sight by opening their eyes. And, you know, that seems like an obvious statement, right? Like, well, yeah, duh, you know, they're blind. So they can't just open their eyes and, oh, look, I can see now. Sounds like like an obvious statement, but what seems to be such a simple line is actually quite deep. It's basically saying that there's no simple solution to your blindness. There is no solution to your blindness. Something miraculous and supernatural has to happen in order for you to gain your sight if you are blind. There's no quick and simple fix to this thing. But I want you guys to put yourself into the story. Put yourself into this story. How would you respond in this situation where you are blind? All you know is darkness. 
There, there are no seeing eye dogs. There's no crosswalks where there's like a beeping noise coming out of a thing and it lets you know when to cross the street and you just gotta make sure you walk towards that beep so that you know you're gonna be safe. There's no electronic walking sticks that lets you know that you're coming up on a hole or something. There's no paved walkways. Your entire life is a risk as a blind person in this day. You are blind and, and your, your entire life you are relying on the mercy of other people because anybody can take advantage of you. And this is just what it's going to be. You're blind. That's what it's been. That's what it's going to be. You're going to be blind for the rest of your life. But then someone is passing by who has the power to change that. And you know that he is so much more than what people say he is. You know that he can heal you, and you know that he is the only one who can heal you. He's the only one. Wouldn't you be desperate too? Like, wouldn't you have a desperation as well? You know, in the first verse of that song that I was telling you about, they sing, a king is coming to this city, and crowds around are following. If I could see, I would follow too. He heals the sick with his hands. As he walks by, they reach for him. If I could see, I would reach out too. I know that you would be desperate if you were in this situation because I would be desperate if I was in this situation. And, and as you sit there in your blindness, as you sit there in your blindness, perhaps, perhaps you've heard him pass by in the past since you're on this very popular road that goes from, from Jericho to, to Jerusalem. But maybe in the past you were too afraid or ashamed to say anything as he passed by. After all, you're a blind person. You're accursed. You have no right to speak up in the middle of a crowd. You're under the judgment of God. But maybe you've heard him pass by in the past, and something is telling you that this is going to be your last chance. This is your last chance to do something about it. And this would be the last time that Jesus would pass down this road because he was going to Jerusalem for the last time. He was going to be crucified. And maybe the commotion that's happening is much louder than it's ever been, than any other time. Why wouldn't it be? This is Jesus' final trip to Jerusalem. The, the journey that Jesus was taking on this earth, it was reaching its climax, the cross. And maybe it's so loud. Maybe the, the, the commotion of the crowd is so loud that, that you, you want to shout out for him. You know this is your last chance, and you want to shout out for him, but you don't know if he'll even be able to hear you with the loudness of the crowd, the commotion of the crowd. But you know that if your voice doesn't reach his ear, then you have lost any hope of ever being able to see. So wouldn't you think that your response to Jesus passing by be that desperate labor pain shouting? It would be. In the last verse of that song, they sing, I cannot leave this gate since I cannot see my way, but I can stand and I can call his name. No, I could never leave this gate, but I will stand and shout his name and I will count on his grace. There's no doubt in my mind that if I was that blind man in Mark chapter 10, I too would be shouting as loudly as I could. Like, this may be my last chance. This may be my last chance. I don't know if this opportunity is ever going to come again. 
So I'm going for it. I'm going for it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what would you do if you were in this situation and people were trying to get you to shut up? Hey, be quiet. You accursed blind. Like, no one wants to hear your loud shouting. Shut up. You think you would care? This is your last chance. He is passing by. Jesus is passing by. If you don't get his attention now, if, it's over. That's it. You're going to be blind for the rest of your life. So no, you're not going to listen to them telling you to shut up. I wouldn't listen to them telling me to shut up. You're going to be even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. All the while, you have no idea if any of your desperate pleadings are loud enough to get his attention. But all of a sudden, the crowd gets quiet. You have no idea why, but the crowd gets quiet. You're hoping and praying it's for a good reason, but you don't know. You don't know. But let's keep reading. Mark chapter 10, verses 49 through 52. Verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the man who was blind, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. And throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And replying to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. The desperation of Bartimaeus works. He manages to get the attention of Jesus. He was calling on Jesus. And then in an amazing turn of events, Jesus begins to call to him. Call this guy over. Bartimaeus approaches Jesus. No doubt he was led to Jesus because he was blind. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? That's an amazing question. What do you want me to do for you? It's amazing not only because of the person who's asking it, because the person who's asking it can literally do whatever. <laughs> he can do anything. But what's really amazing about this question is who it's being asked of and the response that this person gives. Because just prior to this event, in the Gospel of Matthew and in Mark, John and James, Jesus' disciples who were, who were blood brothers, the sons of thunder, for those of you who are familiar with scripture, they came up to Jesus and they made a request of him. They said, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The same exact question that he asked Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? But the response of James and John was so proud and arrogant. They said, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left when you get your kingdom in heaven. Give us a position of high honor in heaven is what they were asking. Give us recognition in your kingdom is what they were asking. We want to be great. We want to be considered great. Jesus, please do what we ask of you. You know, Jesus had already told them the parable that if you get invited to a feast, take the seat of lowest honor. He had already told them that the last is going to be first and the first is going to be last. 
Yet here they are when Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? They just want to be first. They just want to be exalted. But when Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus just asks for the basics. I just want to see. I, I, I just want to see. Everyone, know, everyone else knows what it is to see. Everyone else knows what it is to walk through life knowing where everything is, knowing what everything looks like, knowing when there is danger approaching. I just want to see. No exaltation, no pride, no put me in a palace and give me riches. He says, Raboni, I want to regain my sight. Raboni, it means master or Lord. Lord is the word that Matthew and Luke record of this account. Lord, Bartimaeus placed himself in submission to Jesus. He didn't presume upon his grace. He didn't deserve for Jesus to do anything. He came to Jesus as a servant and as a subordinate, knowing that his Lord and master was going to do whatever he pleased which is why he was asking for mercy from the son of David before making the formal request of regaining his sight. At this point, Matthew tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion, and he placed his hand on Bartimaeus' eyes. And after Jesus tells him, go, your faith has made you well, Bartimaeus regains his sight. The lights turn on. One moment, there was darkness, and then the next moment, there was light. He could see. Jesus Christ healed Bartimaeus, and Jesus Christ saved Bartimaeus. According to commentators, the word that is translated to well, when Jesus says, your faith has made you well, the word is used frequently in the New Testament to refer to salvation, to when someone gets saved. So not only did Bartimaeus receive his sight this day, he received salvation. And after this, what does Bartimaeus do? He follows Jesus. He follows Jesus to Jerusalem where a cross would be waiting. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar who had no hope. And as he was doing his normal daily begging, people told him, that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, a mere man. But Bartimaeus understood that this was the Messiah. He knew that this was the promised son of David. So he began shouting out because he knew that Jesus, the Messiah, was capable of way more than these people think he's capable of. But it wasn't shouts of, hey, Jesus, give me what I deserve. Rather, it was shouts of begging for mercy. And he wanted to see. And so he comes to Christ, understanding his own blindness, understanding his own unworthiness, understanding that according to his culture, he was accursed and he stood judged by God. But he was looking for mercy from that same God. He was looking for mercy. And he had a simple request. I want to see. And this describes every single one of us. This describes every single one of us before we came to Christ. We were all blind beggars, and the greatest need that we had in our lives was to see. 
and we came to the knowledge of Christ, and we understood that we had nothing to offer God. We understood that we were accursed under the law of God. We understood that the only thing that we can look to is his mercy. And when he opened our eyes to see that need, and he asked us, what do you want me to do for you? We simply wanted to see. We wanted forgiveness. We wanted salvation. We wanted mercy. We wanted grace. We wanted heaven. We wanted his presence. Though we may not have been able to articulate those things in that moment of realization, that's exactly what we wanted. We knew that we needed to see because we realized how blind we were. And just like Bartimaeus, after receiving his sight, he began to follow Jesus into Jerusalem, where Jesus would eventually be put on the cross. We also followed Jesus, and he has led us to our own crosses, where he would tell us that we need to crucify our old self, that we needed to repent, that we need to turn away, that we need to change our minds about our sin our life of blindness. And this is what we are thankful for. This is what I am thankful for, that just as Bartimaeus was in a place of deep desperation, we too found ourselves in a place of deep desperation. And in that desperation, in that poverty of spirit, God has looked at us and he has given us a new life. He has touched our blind eyes and he has given us the ability to see. And now we see him for who he is. We see him as Lord and master, as creator and judge, as lawgiver and redeemer, as executioner and forgiver. And we love him. We love him for who he is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. And so this is what we're thankful for. You know, this is what we ought to be thankful for as believers. And it would be silly for me to stand up, silly for me to stand up here and assume that every single person in here actually has a saving faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, we'll eventually get to Matthew 13, uh, but in Matthew 13, Jesus gives parables talking about how there's going to be weeds among the wheat, how there's going to be false believers in the midst of true believers. You know, I've, uh, we just had the Harvest Crusade, right? I've, I've attended the Harvest Crusade before I got saved. I went down on the field, not to receive Christ, but because I wanted to get some of the grass that was on Angel Stadium, because, you know, I was, I was a huge Angels fan. So I was like, let me get some of this grass, and let me go down third baseline, get some of this dirt, put it in my pocket, took it home. I'm going to make millions off of it. No, I'm not. Angels stink. But I've gone to many Harvest Crusades before I got saved, went down onto the field, and thousands of people were on that field. I've volunteered at a Harvest Crusade when I was at my previous church, observed thousands of people coming down onto that field. And what's interesting to me, what was interesting to me, is that the majority of those people, because I was part of the leadership team at my previous church where we got all of the, the little cards of people who came forward who were in the area of our church when I was down in Orange County. Vast majority of these cards of these people coming down onto the field were recommitments to Christ. The vast majority. A lot of people who come forward on Sunday mornings, the vast majority are recommitments to Christ. What's going on? 
Why are people constantly recommitting themselves to Christ? I would say it's either A, they don't truly understand their salvation, that they, they don't understand that once you are forgiven, you are forgiven. Past, present, and future sins are all done away with. The other thing I would say is that these people don't really know Christ and they're coming to get their, their ticket punched. Oh, I recommitted again. Oh, I recommitted again. Oh, I recommitted again. But they don't know Jesus. So it would be silly of me to stand up here and to assume that every single person in here is a true follower of Jesus Christ, though I wish it was true, and I hope it is. But chances are there are some people in here that a few years down the road, time will reveal to us that, man, there are some people that weren't truly walking. But don't let that be the case. It doesn't have to be the case. It doesn't have to be the case with anybody in here. We can all have a true and living relationship with Jesus Christ. We can truly know Jesus. We can truly be forgiven. We can truly be born again. It doesn't have to be this thing where we're unsure and so we're always recommitting our lives to Christ. You can know that you are saved, that you have a new life, that you are born again. And for some people, this may be the last time you ever hear it. Think about Bartimaeus. This was, if, if he would have said nothing, this was the last time that Jesus was going to pass by that road. If Bartimaeus would have said nothing, that would have been it. It was over because Jesus was never coming back. I mean, he's coming back, but he wasn't coming back, if you, if you know what I'm saying. So for some of you, this may be the last chance. Don't let this last chance be the one that you, you do nothing. Make a commitment. Make a real commitment. Don't keep recommitting your life. Stop it. Jesus Christ and his forgiveness is eternal. If you have truly come to know that forgiveness, then you are forgiven, you are saved, and the evidence of that is a new life, a new relationship with God, a new relationship with his word, and a new relationship with sin. Yes, a new relationship with sin. You don't want to be with sin anymore. That's the evidence of a changed life. So you guys, don't let it pass you by, and we are thankful for this gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to, to share your word. I thank you so much for these people that are here. And I just pray, Lord, that now as we move on with, with the festivities, uh, that you would bless this time. And um, I guess before we're done, I just want to invite anybody who, upon hearing this message, uh, you know, you, you, you learned something new or maybe you saw something different. The Lord is showing you something. And if there's anybody in here who desires to have uh, a real relationship with Jesus because you realize you, you didn't, you find yourself recommitting and recommitting and recommitting, and you want that to stop, or you're in here and you don't know Christ, and you want to have that forgiveness, then I want to pray for you. So if there's anybody in here, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Uh, if there's anybody, I'll give you a few seconds to, to work up the courage to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Anybody? All right. Well, God, we thank you so much for this time, and I pray now that you would be with us and that you would be among us, and that you would be in all of our conversations. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.